Welcome to Recovering From Everything, a podcast for anyone who's ever had anything happen to them ever. I'm Kinga. Welcome to the episode. Trigger warning on this one. I briefly glaze over violence, sexual assault, just briefly. But if you're not here for that, maybe just skip this episode. Or you know what? Skip to maybe five minutes from now. That should do it. Okay, away we go. I'm pretty sure if I didn't have my daughter and I had had a son, I wouldn't be so affected by parenting. And I think what I mean by that is I often see her as a reflection of me at that age. And she's eight now. So I think about when I was eight and the things I'd been through by the time I was that age. For example, I was a refugee in a new country by the time I was five. I had learned a new language by the time, let's say, I was five and a half, right? Because I had to learn English. I'd lived with very poor parents, hiding from our landlord, you know, lights off, door locked, bang, bang, bang on the door. In Scarborough, in Toronto, I'd been molested. I'd been smacked around by my parents. I had had extreme trauma from watching my parents fight. They were super violent when I was little. And I look at my daughter and she hasn't had to experience any of that. Like there is not a single symptom of any sort of trauma in her life. She's happy as a little clam, but she's also a normal eight-year-old. And I guess that means if I'm looking at her face and she occasionally is a reflection of me at that age, all the stuff that lives deep, deep within me from when I was that age gets to come out. It's triggered if you want to use that that word. It gets to bubble right up to the surface and then I get to deal with that. So for example, if she's not listening to me, if I have to repeat myself, time for bath, time for bath, time for bath, time for bath. Yes, that's annoying. But of the infinite reactions that I could have, I get very, very, very annoyed. And I'm pretty good with not letting it come out. And I've worked my ass off to say things to her like, having to repeat myself is making me really frustrated. I'd like for you to do as I ask when I first ask you, or at least within the first 10 times, my God. But in that moment, I am fucking fuming. And I know now it's because I was literally never listened to. Nobody ever listened to me ever, ever. So it has like an extra hard effect on me. So the point of this podcast is to go over some of those things where, you know, I'm standing in a situation with my daughter and I'm having a really big internal reaction and how I know now that it actually has very little to do with her and everything to do with leftover wounds from when I was little. And she's just the person that's accidentally ripping off those band-aids. Welcome to the podcast about recovering from being a parent. I feel like I should start by 
acknowledging that my parents aren't like monsters or anything like that. They did their best and they do their best, you know, especially my mom. I like, I see her making efforts probably more so in, in the last few months than uh, ever to have a relationship with me. And like, you know how, you know, parents always say, you might've heard your parents say like, you know, when, when you become a parent, you'll understand. Mine is actually the opposite of understanding and compassion for my folks, because the more that I exercise some of the things that I've tried to implement being a parent, the more pissed off I get that they couldn't just fucking do it when I was a kid. And I have these moments of when I'm interacting with my daughter and that comes up in like this, you know, fraction of a second. And I'm like, fuck you guys. Like, fuck you guys. It just takes some effort to make your kid feel heard and it takes effort to not be violent and it takes effort to not yell and it takes effort to not put my relationship shit onto my daughter. And yeah, it takes effort. It's not impossible. It just takes some effort. So while I do see that my parents did their best with what they had, and I can understand that they're resources were very limited because, you know, we're Eastern European. Mental health did not exist and violence was the norm. And if I have any listeners whose parents are Eastern European, we might have had a really similar upbringing. DM me if this is true. While I understand all of that stuff, it didn't have to be that way. And I feel like it's almost too late now to make up for it. So I do, I keep distance between my parents and I, because as much as I would like to have a lovely, healthy relationship with them, I let them in, they overstep boundaries and I have to push them out again. And I often feel like I'm trapped in this cycle where that happens over and over again. And I am realizing my part in it is that I keep opening the door and I open the door and they come barreling through. So a lot of times I have to keep that door shut. And honestly, like it sucks. It's hard. But the last thing, and I think about this, the last thing I want is for when 10's older is to, is to feel about me the way that I feel about my mom and my dad. And I'm working my butt off to make sure that doesn't happen because that would be hell for me. And sometimes I get these pangs of guilt where I'm like, you know, is it is it kind of hell for my mom to to be in a relationship with me, to have any sort of connection with me? You know, when I, I have to slam the door, not literally, but you know, the figurative door and I and I need a lot of space and like, is that hell for her? And the guilt kicks in and then I'm like, oh, maybe I should open the door again. And then something fucking dumb happens and it takes me weeks to recover from it. And I'm like, oh no, this is, it's better for me to have some distance there. And maybe one day I'll stop being so resentful, but I do need a lot of time because it just keeps happening over and over again. So I think that's the disclaimer. My parents aren't monsters. They just have a lot of 
of changing to do and they're old now and I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. So my number one goal has to be to protect myself so that I can be a normal person and good mother to my daughter and I can't be stressed out. I don't know, parent-child relationships are so tricky and sometimes like I, I see people that have cut off their parents and they're better for it and I'm like, oh man, like the courage you must have mustered up to put yourself first. <sighs> like I envy it, but I don't think that that is an option for me. I really don't. Because deep down, I do want to have a relationship with my parents. It just has to be very much on my terms. And it's been on their terms for so long. Like it, But that's also the kind of stuff that I don't want my daughter to feel like she ever has to put my feelings before hers. And there's a limit to that. Obviously, we try to speak kindly to each other and talk about our feelings and all that. But I don't want her to feel like other people have to come before her. And no matter what you've been through, no matter what your day was like, no matter what I did to you, forget about it. You know, I apologize to my daughter whenever the opportunity presents itself. Yes, I'm feeling frustrated. Yes, I'm feeling super tired. It was not okay for me to take it out on you. I should have been nicer. I should have been gentler and I'm sorry. No one ever apologized to me. No one, neither of them can even admit that anything happened. I remember after my daughter was born, it's so hard when you're a new mom, right? And I would count down the seconds until my husband walked through the door just to have like my partner back in the house to help me. And I think my daughter was maybe about eight or nine months old. Like she was little. He came home 10 minutes later than usual. And when you're counting down the seconds, 10 minutes is basically an eternity. So I was like super riled up when he walked through those doors. And I forget what he was doing, but it was something so trivial. And I was like, you could have let me know. You could have texted me. Like I'm counting down the seconds until you get home. And he was sort of nonchalant about it. And my blood was boiling. And there was like... I forget how I acquired a shoe, but there was a shoe in my hand somehow and I threw it at him and it missed him, but my daughter started crying and the guilt I felt for that. And I called this therapist that I had seen in the past that night and said, listen, like something's got to give. I don't know what the hell just happened. I haven't had like a burst of rage like that in a while. And I started to see her and she suggested we do EMDR, which is therapy specifically for trauma. And I did like six sessions of EMDR once a week because you guys, the first sign of trauma, the first sign of trauma is rage during moments that just like don't make sense. Okay. So like my husband coming home 10 minutes late did not make sense for me to have such a ragey reaction. Anyways, I did not know this at the time. So she suggested we do this trauma therapy. I started doing trauma therapy. During that time, my mom came up to visit us and she stayed with us for a couple of days. And I told her I was in therapy specifically designed for trauma. And she was like, what trauma do you have? And I like couldn't believe that. And I was like, well, I mean, you lived in the house where I grew up, like all that violence. There was no violence, she says. Like I can 
I can list like 12 times that like I watched you guys be super violent with each other, not to mention the times that you were violent with me. And I like literally did not mention it because I was not ready to cross that bridge yet. But and she plain as day said, no. And I'm like, all right, this woman is like in extreme denial. And I understand now that there's some stuff that is too painful for the brain to remember. Like it's too painful. You can't even go there. And that's where my parents are. It's it's too much for them to even go there. So I will never, ever have any sort of closure. I'll never get any sort of validation. Like I'll never get that, which is tough to accept, but it is what it is. So I'm left to deal with this stuff alone, which is something I've been doing for my whole entire life. So how I get to heal this stuff is through my own kid, through being a parent. That when very, sometimes really trivial situations present themselves and I can feel my blood boiling, that is an opportunity for me to listen to her, to give her the eight-year-old and me the eight-year-old the listening, the validation, the acknowledgement, the calmness, the gentleness, the voice that I never had and will never have with my own parents. Like I'll never have that. Even last year when I sent my daughter to stay with them for a week at Christmas and she told me some of the stuff that had been going on, just regular, my parents being my parents. And I brought it up to my mom and said, I'm not comfortable with this. All hell broke loose. Like I literally was accused of ruining Christmas. And when I went down to have my family Christmas, I had to act as though nothing had happened. I had to. There was no other choice. And a part of me is really mad at myself for abandoning myself and for abandoning my daughter in that situation. And it wasn't anything crazy. It was it was just regular stuff. But I should have gone down. I should have got her. I should have brought her home and I should have skipped Christmas. I should have done that. And I didn't. And then Christmas was an absolute mind fuck. And then I had to recover from that along with my daughter who asked me questions about her time with them and our Christmas for weeks after we both had to recover from that. And the self-abandonment that I had been conditioned to do, I had done it again. I had no real good valid reason to, but I had done it again. And we ha- we both had to recover from it for weeks. Like I'm talking well into January and here I am almost a year later talking about it now. But that's that's the kind of stuff that comes up is who am I putting first? Them or me? And the guilt that comes with putting me first is is overwhelming. It's sometimes it's unbearable and I just white flag surrender to fine, you have it your way. But the work that I have to do after like abandoning myself to put my mom first or my dad first, it's not worth it. Honestly, it's really not. I have to do a lot of damage control with myself. I didn't realize when I was planning this episode that I would not be able to tell my parenting story without referring to my mom's parenting and then thinking about how she was parented by my grandma and grandpa. I guess I was sort of naive as to how generational these ties are, you know, and how 
how my daughter eventually, if she has kids, she's going to parent. A lot of it might be based on my parenting and that, you know, through the generations, we're each just subconsciously or consciously, in my case, trying to heal our stuff from childhood and to sort of fill the the voids, things that were lacking for us that we wished were there. And to be honest, I'm grateful that I'm consciously doing that and that I'm aware of what was missing and that I'm aware of what my needs were and I'm aware of how they show up now in my relationship with my daughter because I don't want to pin all of this stuff on her. Like none of this is her responsibility. None of this falls on her shoulders. And I'm grateful that I'm aware that in those moments, in that fraction of a second, when things come up for me, I know what's happening and I know how to do things differently and that I won't spend the rest of my life trying to fill these voids and not be aware of it, you know, and and put that stuff on my daughter because that shit's heavy. But yeah, there's no way that I can do a parenting episode without acknowledging how I was parented. Okay, the very first thing that I remember strictly enforcing after my daughter was born, and this is completely because she's a girl and I'd had really, really gross experiences growing up as a girl was teaching her body autonomy. Her body is her own. Nobody can touch it. I didn't even give her like there's that option of like hug, handshake or high five. Like, no, you don't have to high five anybody. So if she doesn't want to give anybody a hug, she doesn't have to. And this is tough for some people who just like want to hug my daughter But no, I never said, you know, give your grandma a hug. It's just like, say goodbye. That's it. And I know that this was uncomfortable many times for my mom, especially, who, who, I mean, she would try, man. She would try. She would, you know, say, can I have a hug before I go? And I'm so many times I'm like, no, she said, no, she doesn't want to give you a hug. And this is Strictly because as I was growing up as a female, a lot of people, mostly men, uh, if not 100% men, felt entitled to touch my body. And this could be as, you know, as innocent as like hugs, um, an arm around me. A lot of times it was not so innocent. So as I, as I got older and only probably most recently in the last few years, I don't let anybody touch me. Like if someone comes anywhere near me and puts their arm around me or whatever, right? Strangers in a bar or whatever, like at a show, they talk too close to me. Like I will put distance between us. I do not care how rude you think I am. I will pluck your hand off of my shoulder. Nobody gets to touch me. Nobody. I do that with my own daughter. Nobody gets to touch you unless you want them to. I've got to help her understand that too, that if people don't want to be touched, you got to stop touching them. You know, she's got, she's got uh, one of her little sisters is like two and a half years old now. My daughter loves her to pieces, wants to snuggle her all the time. And 
I mean, as a, as a two-year-old, there's a lot of whining, there's a lot of pushing. And I know my co-parents do this too, is, oh, she's saying she doesn't want to be touched. You got to put her down. Body autonomy, number one, like nobody's going to touch my kid. I also will not leave her alone with uh, men that I do not trust. And I listen to my gut. I have to listen to my gut about that. So I don't care how rude it might come off. Nobody gets to touch me and nobody fucking gets to touch her. I don't care how like guilty you try to make us feel. The answer is unequivocally, absolutely not. You do not have to hug your grandparents. You do not have to hug your your aunt or your uncle or my uncle or whoever else is in my family. No, you say bye and you say hi and that's it. I've taken like 50 breaks while recording this episode. This is so hard on me. My goodness. Now I'm going to have to recover from doing this episode. (laughs) Recovering from everything, just living up to the name. Okay. Another thing I do with my daughter is I frequently tell her, you don't have to lie to me. I promise you don't have to lie to me. And And sometimes she'll, you know, swipe a couple of freezies and sneak them into her room. And I'm like, honey, you don't have to lie to me. Just let me know you want some freezies and we'll figure something out. You know, and the answer might be no. And maybe we'll wait till tomorrow. But just like, you don't have to lie to mommy, I promise. And so she is pretty honest with me. I also let her speak without interrupting her. And this one's tricky because while she's speaking, I'll be thinking of like a million other things, you know, because I'm an adult and I'm a parent. So my brain is constantly like, oh, and tomorrow we have this and blah, blah, blah. So I, I try really hard not to interrupt her and just to let her tell me whatever it is that she needs to tell me. And this girl tells me everything to the point that sometimes I'm like, holy shit, like I did not necessarily need to know that, but um, I love it. Yeah, I just, I really want her to be able to feel comfortable to tell me anything, or even if she's uncomfortable, tell me anyway, and trust me that I'm not going to have a big wild reaction where it suddenly goes from her issue being at the forefront of our conversation. It goes to, oh, got to manage mom's feelings about this. I do not want that. We're doing a pretty damn good job with that. Another thing is I give my daughter like a lot of freedom. So freedom with her time, freedom to sort of do what she wants, uh, freedom to wear whatever she wants. And that is a direct result of being really sort of like oppressed when I was younger. Like I, I was not allowed to do a lot of stuff like sometimes I was scared to even ask my parents to do stuff. My clothes were always like an issue. Like I I really didn't get a sense of my personal style until I was like well into my 30s. And sometimes I wonder if I go overboard on that. So it's like a good thing that I'm trying to do. But I wonder if I'm almost like overcompensating by giving her too much freedom, you know? I also inherited a love of music from my parents and a love of travel and basically all things cultural. That was always really important to them. So there was always good music in our house. I love classical music. I love opera. My parents were big CCR fans, Beatle fans, 
We went to a few concerts together as like a family. So obviously anyone who's listening to this who knows me, big music head, and that came straight from my folks. And it's being passed on to my daughter, who has really great taste in music. My parents took us on road trips all the time. I take my daughter on road trips. I go on road trips. They took us overseas for travel, right? Spain, France, uh, back to our roots, Romania, Hungary. Love travel. And my daughter is so curious about the world. Like she always wants to know where things are. She's so open to going anywhere with me. And I'm excited for that because as she gets older, I can take her on sort of bigger, more monumental trips. Like I know when my parents took us to Europe when I was, I think I was like 15, we did like a three-week trip. We did like a road trip through uh, Spain and France. Like that changed me as a person. So, you know, I'm going to do that with my daughter as well. And another good thing I noticed is that my mom's always been really good at gift giving and like she'll she'll take special occasions and she'll like really make a lot of effort to make it special for you. I like doing that also. My sister is really good for that too. And I notice that coming through in my daughter a lot also where she'll make people gifts. She'll make me little gifts. And it's, you know, it's like arts and crafts and little cards and stuff. But she takes that time and uses like the love in her heart to do stuff like that, which that's directly from my mom, for sure. I didn't even realize that that comes out in me until she started doing it. And like, she'll write me little letters and I've always written letters and just, you know, little things like that. And that's really sweet. And I'm proud of that. And, and I, I definitely have my mom to thank for that. I told you they're not monsters. It seems like this podcast is actually helping me see the, uh, both sides of the coin, maybe. Because I think we all have these secret double lives, you know, things that happen in our head or things that we do at home or things that we would rather people not know about us. And then there's the other side of the coin, which is giving and caring and nurturing and, you know, loving and the things that we're okay with people seeing about us. And I mean, that's probably why most of these episodes have been so hard on me is because I, you know, I'm flipping over the coin and I'm like, here's the shit I would rather people not know on a podcast that I release weekly and advertise on all social media platforms. (laughs) And I think that's why it's so hard on me, maybe like the catharsis, but even the shining a light on that stuff, which is typically reserved for my therapist, my journal, and, you know, like two of my closest friends. And I guess just accepting that I'm like a whole person and so are my parents and so is my daughter. And being a whole person means that there's going to be unpleasant qualities about myself and that there's unpleasant qualities about my parents and that there's unpleasant qualities about my daughter. For example, she's stubborn as fuck, which she gets from me. 
and her father, but then at the same time as being stubborn and strong-willed, I also admire that she's going to pretty much stick to her guns no matter what. That's, that's an admirable quality. And then there's parts of my daughter where she's so sweet and so giving and she'll want to do things for me. And like, it's usually just out of the goodness of her heart. And it's it like, it like hurts. I love her so much in those moments. Like I almost feel, I feel guilty that in those moments, she's like taking care of me. And I think it's hard for me to like accept that love. And I try to flip it and say, no, no, no. You know what? You know, mommy's okay. Like, yeah, I don't need to be tucked in. I'm going to come tuck you in, which actually happens very frequently that scenario. And I got to check myself in that moment because it's like, she's offering me love. What am I doing with it? Denying it, shutting the door, rejecting it, you know, like, I don't want to do that either. I don't want to feel like she has to take care of me because that triggers my old shit of always having to take care of my mom's feelings. But then in those moments where she's offering me love and offering me care because she's genuinely a sweet little person, I got to make sure that I'm not letting my shit run the show and just try to accept the love. And that shows up, that shows up in a lot of my relationships where when someone is showing me love, you know, their love language, love as they know it, and they're offering it to me. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, am I shutting the door on it? Am I rejecting it? And I got to learn to accept that stuff better, you know, and to say, thank you. Like, that was really lovely. I, I got to be more conscious of that when it comes to my daughter, because I, I don't want my old shit of needing to take care of others to affect how she shows me love. I have to accept how she is showing me love, I guess, in those moments, you know? Okay. I also have made it a fun little habit of asking my Instagram followers to write me about their personal experience with some of the episodes. So last week I asked, what has parenting taught you about yourself? Let's go through the responses because they're all really freaking good. All right. First one. I had leftover rage that I needed to work through. Oh, yes, relatable. And that doesn't feel great. Like it didn't feel great in the moment that I threw the shoe at my ex-husband and was like, I need to go back to therapy. No, the guilt from that is horrible. And you also don't get to learn that you have leftover rage by having a great, easy day. You get to learn that you have leftover rage by having crazy amounts of rage at a really inappropriate time. So good for you for learning that about yourself. This one just says, I'm a saint. (laughs) Probably. If you have more than one child, you probably are a saint. Good for you. This one, my kids trigger feelings from childhood of never feeling heard. This is a tough one. Yes. Yes. Same. The feelings of like overwhelming frustration Um, And then also that feeling of like when your kid's talking and wanting to like interject, right? Because kids tell stories that are like a year long and they don't really go anywhere. Terrible character development. The plot just goes in like a million different tangents um, and you just want to interrupt them so badly. Try not to (laughs) because 
you having, like, this is what I learned about myself is just because I have something on my mind doesn't mean I have to say it in that moment. Because if I'm not heard in that moment doesn't mean I'm never going to be heard. And my feelings of not being heard, like my fear of not being heard, if I interrupt my kid telling a boring ass lame story, if I interrupt my kid, then that's going to give them a complex of like, never being heard and my mom never listened to me and I couldn't say anything without her interrupting. You know what I mean? That's a good one. All right, this one. Sometimes during conflict, I have absolutely no idea what to do next. Yeah, that that moment of like paralysis. I know like with my daughter when she's like adamantly, no, I'm not doing this, right? Or even like this happened yesterday. We presented her with two options and she was very focused on a third option that didn't actually exist. It was like all three of us, the three of us were there, me and my co-parents. We were like, what in the fuck do we do? Like, I had no idea. I I have no idea what to tell you except that, yeah, that is really super relatable. You feel stuck. You don't know what to do next. I don't know. Maybe take a break. Maybe say that out loud. I know I've done that before where I'm like, I'm feeling really frustrated and I feel like I need to take a break and I'll come back in a few minutes. Like, I like that. This one says, I'm not a kid person with like the eek emoji. No, me either. Me either. And I was having a conversation with one of my girlfriends over dinner the other night about like what parenting has taught us about ourselves. And this this is what I learned is that I am not a kid person. Like I, I probably am a person that should not have had a child, but I'm super grateful that I had a kid because it grounds me and it keeps me responsible and it keeps me focused and uh, acting like an adult on the majority of the days. So I'm grateful for that. But having a kid means you spend a lot of time hanging out with other people that have kids. And like, I don't, enjoy children. And that's like not a secret. There's kids in my life that I love because they belong to my best friends and I love them. But like, I don't, I don't want to play with them. Playing with kids to me is super boring. Um, I just, I don't enjoy it. And my friend over dinner was saying how she feels like she's a better aunt sometimes than she is a mom, like where she gets down and plays with her nieces and nephews. But when it comes to her own kids, she's like tired and it's been a long day and whatever. It sounds like she has like a bit of guilt from that. And you know what? And maybe that's like the the moral of the story for parenting is you have this like undercurrent of guilt that like never goes away. You always feeling like you're fucking up somehow while you're parenting. But I think also that means like you're not a, an emotionless monster and you just strive to be a better parent no matter what. Yeah, I'm not a kid person either. This person says, doing things the opposite of how I was raised comes more naturally than I thought it would. That is that is really cool, I think. I just assume that these are good things. This person says, I didn't know how much I would resent my partner after having kids. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. I've crossed that bridge. And good luck to you. This person says, I will actually do anything to protect them with a little bear emoji. Like I have violent fantasies sometimes if I hear their feelings have been hurt. And then like a laugh out loud emoji. Oh my gosh, yeah. No, me too. It's like crazy how like that 
mama bear instinct, how strong it is. There's me and my co-parents, right? So there's three of us. Me and my daughter's dad both jump into like, you know, let's go to that kid's house with a bat. And that's not even made up. That's, That's a thing that we both have said. My daughter's dad's wife, so like my co-mom, she tends to be like the voice of reason. And it's like, you know, let's make this like a teachable moment about, you know, how to deal with bullies and and stuff. And she's like totally the voice of reason. But yeah, me and, and my daughter's dad, like we are both like kill, 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 kill. Okay. Next one. I've been thinking a lot lately about my lives unlived. Like what other lives could I have lived? Dreams I could have chased. Oh yeah. This, this one sounds like almost like uh, regrets doesn't it? Like I said earlier, like when I think of my life without my daughter, I'm like, it would just be absolute chaos. Like I don't think I would have grown up at the speed that I have grown up in. Like my life, and I joke about it, you know, sometimes like I'm, you know, I don't have it together, but like I really do. Like I really do. And I'm trying not to make those jokes anymore. Like I have my shit pretty together all things considered. And that is strictly because I have a child that needs me to have it together. But I don't think that that's what this person is saying. Like I think freedom, it sounds like there's like a a freedom that maybe you're craving. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't, I don't think you're the only one that feels that way. This person says, the very last thing I want to be is a stay-at-home mom. This this person actually messaged me directly and revealed herself, which you guys know I love when people do that. And yeah, she is stuck doing that right now. And the feeling of being stuck is quite unpleasant. But I don't think, like, the lives we're currently living aren't going to be our lives forever. Like, I... I was joking about this the other day with my daughter's grandma, like bonus grandma. And she was saying, you know, is there anything better than babies? And I said, uh, having an eight-year-old that makes her own breakfast. Like that's, that's pretty good. So the life you have right now isn't the way it's always going to be. There definitely is way more room in my life now than there was, you know, even last year to be just Kinga which is nice. And to just wear like one hat and not always have to wear the mom hat. So hang in there. This isn't forever. Oh my gosh. This comment was so funny. It says, I am not chill. I am not patient. I am not quote, cool man, whatever. End quote. I am anxious. I don't like noise. Uh, lots more. Yeah. I hate noise. Also, I can't be overstimulated because I go into like panic and I just like freak out. So I hear you about the noise thing. (laughs) I am not chill. I am not patient. I am not cool, man. (laughs) That's okay. You're not the only one. That's okay. It, you know what? It seems like you're aware of it. And I think like I was saying earlier in the pod, like the awareness of that and and not that kind of stuff, like not just living in your subconscious and being like a major driver of your behavior. Like it's out there. It's in the world. You know, in the moments what you're not, when you're not being patient, when you're not being like cool man, whatever, like that's, that's a big deal. Cause a lot of people don't have that awareness. And it's like with, with that awareness, you can catch yourself in those moments and be like, 
I'm about to freak out on my kid. I should like exit the room. You know, that's a big deal. That's a good thing that you're aware of that. Okay. Patience is not my strong suit. I mean, there's like a saying in in recovery, how you're never supposed to pray for patience because instead of just waking up with a lot of patience, you get opportunities to practice being patient. So you get really frustrating (laughs) moments um, where you can practice being patient. So patience not being your strong suit is okay because if you've got children, I'm sure you'll have plenty of opportunities to practice being patient. (laughs) Okay, this one says, it's really hard not to yell at them. (laughs) It's really hard not to yell at them. I assumed I would just be natural at getting them to understand without yelling. It's not. Then they laugh at you. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine something being more annoying than having someone laugh at you while you're yelling. That is fucking uncomfortable. But then, I mean, what's the like alternative, right? Is like, I know that there's this voice that I do and I'm sure every parent has it where it's like, you know, your jaw is clenched, you're through gritted teeth, you're using your like teacher mom voice and you're like, I asked you to get in the bath and like that just makes me feel like a freaking psycho. Yeah, shoot. I mean, I'm not like a parenting expert, expert, so I'm not even like trying to give any sort of advice here, but what works for me sometimes is expressing my feelings. I'm getting really frustrated that you're not listening right now. I need to take a break. Yeah, God, good luck, especially with the laughing. That sounds that sounds not fun. This person says Patience is my strong suit. And I wonder, I wonder if this is the person that wrote patience is not my strong suit and they were just having like a rough day and then they had a better day and wrote back patience is my strong suit because isn't that just parenting, you know, where you're like one day I'm the worst parent ever right now. And then, you know, an hour later you're like, nah, I'm an amazing parent. Good. Good for you. But I also think that maybe something super annoying happened to them and they were like, oh, wow, I actually handled that like a fucking champ. So maybe patience can be my strong suit sometimes, right? Two sides of the coin, two sides of the coin. Okay, this person says, I learned that although I had a very, quote, good, end quote, childhood myself, there was still some hidden trauma and a lot of work to be done on myself. Yeah, yeah. And I struggle with wrapping my head around that is like, I'm not going to fuck up my daughter in the ways that my parents fucked me up, but I'm going to fuck her up in like completely different ways because there's, there's stuff that I do that I maybe am not aware of. Just like there's stuff my parents do that they aren't aware of, right? The stuff that lurks deep in your subconscious that is like a driver for your behavior and you have absolutely no idea. So, hey, you're not alone. We're all going to fuck them up a little bit in some ways. (laughs) This one just says a secret you kept from your parents, which was not the purpose of these questions. But I mean, as I mentioned before, I had a full secret double life. So that my double life. Okay. Thank you guys so much. I love when you guys write this stuff in because 
It makes me feel not so alone. Not that I feel alone as a parent because I have a lot of parent friends and I know that it can be a struggle and then there's joyous moments and then there's moments where like you look at your kid and you're like, you're so annoying right now. And I know that I'm probably the only person in the world that could possibly love you right now. But then there's also like those little moments you have with them where you're like, holy shit, I love you so much. I feel like my heart's going to explode. And like, how did such an amazing person come from my parenting style. So thank you for writing. I really like it. And I think it's probably good for a lot of the listeners to hear some of that stuff. And even just in that moment where you read the question that I wrote, even just in that moment to like reflect is good. Like that's healing. That's therapeutic. And maybe in that moment, it's like, oh shit, I don't want to think about this at all. And then, you know, maybe that's something you, you might want to go back to later. Okay. So thank you. And something that's like a hard pill to swallow is if my parents hadn't parented me the way they did parent me, I probably wouldn't be such a good mom to my daughter today. Because I really am proud of like the things I'm doing differently than they did. So in like this really twisted way, the things that they fucked up with me made me a better mother, which is annoying. And it's annoying to say, and it's annoying to acknowledge, but it's also completely true. Like I, I have a choice in every moment to do things the way that I learned or to do things differently. And I know that like the good stuff that they did, I want to keep some of that good stuff. And then the things that really messed with my head, I'm grateful that I'm aware of that stuff so that I can do things differently and be better. And if there's a competition for parenting, I fucking win. This concludes another traumatic, vulnerable, heavy, yet occasionally uplifting episode of Recovering from Everything, a podcast for everyone who has ever had anything happen to them ever. Thanks for listening. I'm going to go take a nap. Love you. See you next week. Bye.